you guys ready? Yes. <laughs> I love that. All right, if, if you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your name. We thank you for the invitation to come and receive from the well of life. We thank you that your words are words of life. We thank you that they flow with an energy to make us come alive in new ways. And thank you for your healing. And that you're always eager to be here, to speak, and to heal, and to set free. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so we're going to read in First Peter, starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen? Amen. Okay. These have come so that your faith may be proved genuine. As God continues to expose deception in the world, people are looking for and will continue to look for the authentic. And they will no longer settle for religion, but they will look for a faith that has been proved genuine. Yes? Okay, so for a long time, a lot of the church focused on the suffer grief part of what we just read. 
And the belief was that in this life, we were supposed to suffer and that all reward was in the next life, okay? And they believed that God was this distant father trying to teach us lessons and test us uh, by bringing hard things into our lives. And if we learned our lesson or we passed the test, then our faith was proved genuine. And a lot of the church still lives in this belief, okay? Then the pendulum swung in the other direction, and some of the church began to focus on the goodness of God, which we should do, right? But because of this, it left some with the belief, well, if God is always good, and he always wants good things for us, then if I am experiencing hard things, then I must be a problem, Therefore, if I experience good things, then I am doing the right thing. And if I experience hard things, then something is wrong with me. So my faith being proved genuine means I need to work really hard to fix myself so that I can stop experiencing hard things. Yes? So then the focus moved to identity. We are sons and daughters of God. We are loved. We are accepted. We do not have to perform to receive God's love. So then the question became, well, if God is always good and I am always forgiven and accepted, then why am I always experiencing hard things? Okay? So then the, the, the focus went to, well, if my faith is going to be proved genuine, then I have to pray really hard against hard things because if I don't experience hard things, then my faith is proved genuine. Yes? So each of these beliefs is not entirely incorrect, but it's all, they are also not entirely correct. There are pieces of truth in each one, some more than others, but each of them are, are missing pieces of the full picture. Okay, so, um, so the conclusions that are drawn from each belief are incomplete. Okay, you guys, okay, so far. Okay, so today I want to, us to try to see if we can come up, come up with, if we can see come up with to see if we can see a fuller picture of what it means to be proved genuine okay are you guys okay so far so first we have to understand the economy of the kingdom of God okay and the economy of the kingdom is sowing and reaping Okay, that is not just limited to the financial realm. It is the foundation for us understanding everything about the kingdom. All increase comes from seed. Even how we grow and mature as believers and how we advance the kingdom of God. All increase comes from a seed. Okay, so the economy of this world is a system of trade. We talked about this a few months ago. And sometimes in our minds, we can interpret our relationship with the Lord through this lens of trade. So we can think, hey, if I, even subconsciously, we can think, okay, if I can do all the right things, then I have an expectation of reward. 
And if I don't feel like I'm doing the right things or good things, then I don't have any expectation of experiencing the goodness of God. And if it comes to me, then I think that I don't deserve it. Okay? Does that make sense so far? Okay. So, hold on. Let me find my place. So, that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. In his kingdom, God is a sower and his words are seeds. And our hearts are the soil where those seeds grow and mature. Okay? So then when those seeds become fruit, then they become multiplied even more when we become sowers and our words become seeds. And that's how we advance the kingdom. Okay? So that's the beginning, the foundation of our understanding. Okay, so let's go back to 1 Peter. And before he, before he wrote what we read earlier, he said this in 1 Peter chapter 1, and, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says, From Peter, an apostle of Jesus, the anointed one, to the chosen ones who have been scattered abroad like seed into the nations. You are not forgotten, for you have been chosen and destined by Father God. The Holy Spirit has set you apart to be God's holy ones. Amen. Obedient followers of Jesus who have been gloriously sprinkled with his blood. This is the baseline for everything that we read earlier. Okay? Father God has chosen us and destined us. The Holy Spirit has set us apart. We have been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. Okay? This is the, the baseline, the foundation of our faith. This is a seed. Okay? This is where our faith begins and is rooted. We are chosen. We are destined by God. Why? Because he believes in us. Okay, so we don't prove our faith genuine to God. We don't pass tests to show him that we are who he says we are. Okay, when hard things come in our life, we remember our baseline. We are chosen because he believes in us. Okay. So, when hard things come in our lives, what we do is we come into agreement with the worth that he already has for us. Okay? Does that make sense? So, God uses the hard things that will come because hard things will come in this, because in the world that we live, sin still exists. So hard things will come because there's sin in the world, okay? But when we come, there's an opportunity to come into agreement with what God already believes about us, okay? Does that make sense? So when we go through hard things, it's not to show him uh, whether or not what he believes about us is true. It's to show us the worth that he already knows is inside of us. Okay, does that make sense? Let me say that again. 
So when we go through hard things, it's not to show him how much we believe in him. It's for him to show us the worth that he already knows is inside of us. So when our faith is proved genuine, it's when our belief in ourself rises to meet the standard of God's belief in us. If we had never been through hard things, we would not know what we are capable of. Okay? So our faith being proved genuine is when our belief in ourself rises to meet the standard of what God already knows to be true about us. Okay? Does that make sense so far? Now, the enemy knows the economy of the kingdom better than we do. So he will come with his own words that can become seeds if we allow them to grow and be planted in the soil of our hearts. So he comes with words like, did God really say? Is God really good? Look at all I'm getting away with. You can't do this. You're weak. You're not capable. And he says all those things. But we determine the seeds that we plant. We determine the seeds that we're going to allow to grow in our life. Okay? And the more that we come into agreement with seeds of doubt, the harder hard things will be for us. Not because we're being punished for our unbelief. But because we are not accessing the strength that is available by knowing God believes in me. Okay? It's the knowledge of God's worth for us that makes us powerful. And that makes things that used to be hard for me, now they don't seem so hard because I am powerful. And I have risen to the level of God's belief in me. Okay? Does that make sense? Do you see how the way you see it changes? Okay. Another thing about knowing the economy of the kingdom is that if we know the economy of the kingdom, when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, then we know that under kingdom authority, he has to pay back everything that he took from me with interest. Okay. So what that means is every time he attempts to come after me under kingdom authority, I will increase and he will decrease. That is the economy of the kingdom. Okay? You guys okay? All right. (laughs) Sometimes you got to look him in the eye and you got to say, thank you for that. I will increase and you will decrease. Okay? That's a good word. I've done that a few times. (laughs) Just like that. (laughs) All right. So the Greek word that is translated genuine is dokimos. Okay, so in those times, all money was coin. And a a coin's worth was determined by its weight. Okay, so there's some money changers who were dishonest men who would shave off parts of the metal of their coins and it would make them worth less than their face value because they weighed less. Okay, and they would take these shavings of of metal and it would be hidden profit for them. Okay, so documos was a term that was used for the money changers 
who were men of integrity and honor who would only put full weight, genuine coins into circulation. Okay, so the picture here is that we all have a worth and a weight on our lives that comes from God's belief in us. Okay, does that make sense? It's what qualifies us. It's what gives us strength and power and ability for our destiny. It's what allows us to live in our full weight. Okay, does that make sense so far? Okay, so... But sometimes what we do is we shave off parts of ourselves that we want to keep to ourselves. And sometimes it's the things that we think will profit us more than God will profit us. And sometimes it's the things that we want to hold on to, but we think he doesn't need anyway. They're valueless to him. And sometimes it's areas of our life where we've been wounded, where we shut off access, and then we are not operating in our full weight, okay? The problem is that when we have a habit of, of withholding from the Lord, it's because we, deep inside of us, we have a belief that God is withholding from us. Okay, let me say it again. When we have a habit of withholding from the Lord, it's because deep inside of us, we have a belief that he is withholding from us. Okay? Otherwise, why would we withhold from him? Okay? This will manifest itself with a tendency to always view everything from the lens of what we lack. Okay? Does that make sense? instead of the value of what we have. And the more we focus on what we lack, the more difficult, hard things will be because we don't have a belief that we have more than enough to overcome. Okay, does that make sense? Peter said the goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls. That's not the initial conversion where we accept Jesus. That is the ongoing healing and restoration and deliverance of our souls. The passion translates it, translates it like this. It's our soul's victory. Okay? James says this in James chapter 1. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until nothing is missing and nothing is lacking. That's your soul's victory. Okay? When we experience hard things... It reveals what we really believe. It reveals, actually reveals every weakness inside of us. But for us, it's an opportunity to turn weakness into strength and wounds into healing and inadequacies into power. It's an opportunity to grow into our full weight, to withhold nothing, to become wholly alive 
and to experience our soul's victory. When we do this and we face hard things, we don't face them from the perspective of what we lack. We face them with the belief that whatever it is, we have more than enough. And this is an opportunity where if I don't feel like I have more than enough, I'm about to get stronger. I'm about to grow taller. I'm about to get more powerful because that's what's, that's what's available. Okay? So when our faith is proved genuine, we are always full and expectant, never focusing on what we lack. Okay? We are full of, Peter says, an inexpressible and glorious joy. Because the more our soul becomes whole, the more holy we know God. Though you do not see him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Because now I've experienced him in every part of me. And I've experienced him in every experience of my life. So now my faith is more authentic because now I know his heart as opposed to just knowing what he does for me. Okay? I would not trade one single hard thing I've ever been through in my life because of the way that I know him now. And now I know not just that he loves me, but how he loves me. And I know that he doesn't just believe in me. I know the extent that he believes in me. And I know now that I'm capable of more than I thought I was a long time ago. Does that make sense? That doesn't mean we go look for hard things. We live in a world where hard things will come. But when they come, it's an opportunity to advance, to increase, to become more powerful. Okay? You guys okay? (laughs) Oh, Jesus. So one of the hardest things that we experience are the wounds of people, okay? We were created from family and for family. So when we experience wounds from people, it's unnatural. It's human, but it's not how humanity was created, and it's not where we're ending up, okay? Does that make sense? So... Beginning in Acts chapter 6, we're told the story of Stephen. Stephen is described as a man who was full of faith and overflowing in the Holy Spirit. It also says that he was full of grace and supernatural power, and he performed many astonishing signs, wonders, and miracles among the people. Well, this made some people really angry at him. So they got, they got together in secret and they gathered a group of men who would stand up in court and falsely accuse him of things. And then after they had their little group of people that were going to do this, they stirred up the crowds and the religious scholars to get more angry and then they dragged him in the court and then they presented their false witnesses. Now I want you to th- pause and think for a second. What would you do? in that situation. I can see all the text messages now <laughs> that, you, that we would all fire off in, in those situations. You know, like fear, anger, oh my gosh, like I'll tone down my speech so that I don't offend anyone or like all the like 
got to pray that God will get me out of this and all those things, okay? So in Acts chapter 6, verse 15, it tells us Stephen's reaction while all this was going on. It says, every member of the Supreme Council focused his gaze on Stephen for right in front of their eyes while being falsely, while being falsely accused, his face glowed as though he had the face of an angel. Amen. This is the picture of a man who is at perfect peace with the Lord. And while the world is raging all around him, he's just in perfect peace. And his focus is entirely on what God is doing. Okay? Does that make sense? He, he knows that his worth comes from the Lord. Okay? So that's where his focus is. His worth doesn't come from the actions and the words of everyone around him. Amen. So when that happens, his worth doesn't decrease because all this is happening around me because his worth is unshaken because it comes from the Lord. Okay. Does that make sense? And so if we were watching a movie and we see the camera, like focus on Stephen and he's at perfect peace and we can see like the glory of the Lord is on Stephen. You know, we would think like, this is the moment that they're going to recognize the glory of the Lord and the fear of the Lord is going to overcome them. And they're just going to all get saved and let Stephen go right? Because that's our definition of good. <laughs> okay. Right. So that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to ask for. And those things do happen, but that's not what happened in the story. So they asked Stephen, Hey, Stephen, are these accusations true? And he doesn't even answer the question. He just begins to preach the gospel. <laughs> well, this is like, yes, that's what he just preaches the gospel and he preaches this powerful message. And so you think, okay, this is the moment that they're all going to get saved and fall on their face and realize that they were, they're wrong. Like Jesus is who he says he is, but that's not what happened either. It says that they were filled with violent rage. Okay. But, but Stephen it says, while they were overtaken with violent rage, Stephen was overtaken with another measure of faith. He got even stronger in his faith in that moment. And he, he gets this open vision of heaven. And he looks up and he sees the glory and the splendor of God and Jesus standing at the right hand to welcome him home. A lot of, if you look at a lot of like artist renderings, they'll, they'll paint that picture at the moment that Stephen is getting stoned, but that's not when it happened. It happened before they ever picked up a stone. As a matter of fact, that's why they stoned him because he had that vision. And they were like, you can't talk that way about Jesus. He's not sitting at the right hand of God. So they take him out to stone him. And with his last breath, he shouts in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Do not charge them for doing this. Okay. So we all know the story in the crowd that day was a man named Saul who became who we know as the apostle Paul. Okay. Stephen's declaration of forgiveness don't hold this sin against him, was the seed that allowed the conversion of Saul. Yeah. 
That's what allowed Jesus to come and encounter him. Okay? That's how Paul became the apostle and stood before kings and wrote the majority of the New Testament and planted churches all over the world in that time because a man named Stephen said, don't hold this sin against him. Amen. That's the goodness of God yes. because that's Stephen's harvest. Yes. We are still benefiting from Stephen's seed. Yes. Okay? Do you understand? (laughs) The economy of the kingdom of heaven is sowing and reaping. Stephen understood that his faith being proved genuine was not just receiving the seeds of the word of the Lord and living in the fruit of them but when he became a sower and sowed the seed, that's when our faith is proved genuine. Our faith is proved genuine when we know the power of our words. Because our words have the power to create or destroy. And we determine the harvest that we will experience as a result of our words. Okay? Are you guys, are you guys okay? <laughs> Forgiveness isn't for the weak. The weak can't do it. It's a weapon. Forgiveness is a weapon of the strong and the mighty because it advances the kingdom of God and it weakens the powers of darkness. Forgiveness is a weapon of the strong and mighty because it advances the kingdom of God and it destroys the power of darkness. Sometimes we think we've forgiven when we're not angry anymore. Sometimes we think forgiveness is playing the victim and letting someone mistreat us over and over again. Neither of those things are forgiveness. Forgiveness is releasing someone from the debt that they owe us and trusting God to pay me back rather than that person. Because when Stephen forgave Saul, he got paid back with an abundant harvest from the Lord better than Saul ever could pay him back. Okay, does that make sense? In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. That doesn't mean that when we see the person that we forget everything that they've done or that we trust them again because trust is earned, okay? It means that we're not keeping record of what they owe us. So that when we see them, if we're not keeping record of everything they owe us, then we are free. And they're free. That's freedom. That's real forgiveness. It doesn't mean we forget. If we forget, we lost the testimony. It's, It's not about forgetting. It's about those memories no longer having power over us. Because we're trusting the Lord 
with the harvest in our life. Forgiveness is a seed. Okay? You guys okay? You can stand up. We, we have been given this amazing word uh, by Randy Clark about how a healing portal will be established yes. here. We, we don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know how it's going to happen. But one thing I know is that the seed of forgiveness will always produce healing. Healing will come from the seed of forgiveness. It's 100% effective. The seed of forgiveness will always produce healing. I'm not just talking about physical healing. I'm not saying, you know, sickness comes from our inability to forgive. I'm saying the seed of forgiveness will always produce healing. And abundance will always come from the seed of releasing the debts that others owe us. Abundance will always come from releasing others from the debt that they owe us. Okay? So, um, I I don't really know. I'm going to let... I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows you. God the Father knows you. He can speak to you better than I can speak to you. The word of the Lord always produces life. The word of the Lord is always a seed that produces life. And this is a safe place to release debts and to sow the seed of forgiveness. In his presence is the safest place to sow the seed of forgiveness. He'll never let it return void. He will always produce healing and abundance. So Holy Spirit, we just give you this moment. There's nothing like knowing you in every part of our being, of holding nothing back, of experiencing our soul's victory. This is a house of healing, of your presence, of your freedom. So we just give you this one.